Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of emc2learning.com, the greatest community of educators around. Seriously, folks, get on over there. All right, this is season seven, episode 32. We're talking about the Bartle test. This is not the first time we've talked about it. If you go back into the some 300-ish episodes we have here on this podcast, you'll see that we've talked about this before. This is a psychology sort of test about what type of gamer you are. More specifically, what type of... Uh, Massive multiplayer online shoot 'em up kind of game. Uh, you are now, don't be freaked out, but uh, I think you should be using this in your classroom. Uh, and as such, uh, let's let's talk about it. The idea here is really, I have found over the years, I wrote about it in Explore Like a Pirate. We talk a little bit about it in uh, John and I's book, Fully Engaged, but. This idea of kind of how you play is very similar to how you learn. So this made me, even early on with Explore Like a Pirate, decide, like, let's crack open this Bartle test, see its use, try it in my class. I definitely have tried it in my class and found really good utility knowing a little bit about their personality through the lens of a gamer. Now, I have to say, with all these personality tests, all of us should be taking it with a grain of salt. I think the reality is we can be multifaceted. This idea of flattening something down to one idea, one view of somebody can be really dangerous. So when we kind of put labels on somebody and say, you know, they're an extrovert or an introvert, that's probably not so true, right? Like, I think it more has to deal with the mix of who they are internally as well as the external factors, right? Somebody might be really extroverted on the playground, but then in the classroom be more introverted. And that's the same person being authentically themselves. So uh, just kind of word of warning, don't think that this Bartle test or any personality test truly fully sums up who somebody is. But we're going to move on and talk a little more about the Bartle test. And from this point on, I'm going to speak a little bit as if it does flatten and work perfectly. But I want us all to recognize that this is just a lens, a window, and it can be a helpful one, but it doesn't mean everything about the student. And so the Bartle test, like I said, was built for games and to try to see what type of gamer you are. And they, or Dr. Bartle, Dr. Richard Bartle, came out with this idea of four types of players typically in that style of game. There are the achievers, the explorers, the socializers, and what he called killers. We don't really want to talk about that in school, so I'm going to use that is going to be kind of changed to provokers. So we have these four categories, achievers, explorers, socializers, provokers. Now, what, what, why would I care in my classroom if I know that you are a gamer who tends to be more like an achiever or who tends to be high on explorer and socializer? Well, let me explain kind of this, how this plays out in, in class. The achievers is probably what you already think. They seek a lot of gratification from uh, 
status, sort of like, ooh, I've done well. Like, honor roll would be great for the achiever. They like seeing the test and seeing the A-plus at the top, or they love the little stickers, or if you do a star chart, your achievers love it. Now, the reality is not many gamers fall into the achiever category or that that's their dominant category. And maybe I should talk about that, that really the, you will be a percentage of all of these, right? It's, it's be extremely rare that you'd be zeroed out on some of them and just 100% on the other. Uh, in fact, the test is out of 200%. And if you take it, you'd get kind of a breakdown that you're 20% this, 50% that, 100% this. And that's why it adds up the way it does. Um, but really, when you look in terms of the dominant trait, Achiever is probably 10% of game players, if that. So this idea, and actually not even, <laughs> it's less than 5%. Now that I say it. Socializers, for example, make up as a dominant character trait 80% of the gamer community. And so this is something we should think about in terms of the structure of our class and know it. So what what is it about a socializer? We told you the achiever likes kind of the bells and whistles and kind of to know they're doing well. They want to be validated and then somewhat like publicly validated too is, is, is like a leaderboard. Achievers love it. Socializers really want to – it's not what you think. I already know, teachers, you're thinking that the student sort of is disruptive and they're always talking and chatting. It's not really what socializers mean in the game context. In a game context, these are people that love and crave the sort of networking that happens in a game. They like coming together, solving a challenge with friends. So on base layer, they like to play together on base layer. You start to dig deeper into that, and the socializer likes to flex their social standing and use their social abilities to help the group through. So they like to use their social connections. I know this guy that can do this, or ooh, I can get group A to talk to group B and then we will be able to solve this challenge, right? They really wanna use their social status and social network for the greater good, which is amazing. But that really talks about like the power of groups and group challenges, group flexibility. So when we design things in our classrooms, understanding who our socializers, super important. Another skill that those socializers have is they're highly empathetic or at very least can feel and understand what's happening around. So if I go up to an achiever and say, how's this group doing? The achiever will kind of be like, ah, you know, like, I don't know, Gary's not working and we're going to not be able to meet our deadline. That's it. Now I ask the socializer, how's this group doing? The socializer is going to paint me a much more intricate picture of what's happening. The socializer is going to tell me that like there was a fight at recess and these two are kind of mad at each other, but we're working through it. We spent the first few minutes talking through it and we think we got into a place where they're going to kind of work separately, but I'm going to be the intermediary between the two and we're still sort of moving. And I think we're going to meet our deadline. A much richer explain explainer. And this is where we as teachers knowing kind of one of their character traits or could really kind of help us utilize our class time and kind of have a better window into what's happening in those groups by approaching the socializer as opposed to the achiever. Two other groups here. We got the explorers. Now, I will fully admit I fall squarely into explorers. I'm super high. I think I'm over 100% on explorers. Explorers is... I don't care so much about winning the game. I want to get lost in it. 
and I take a lot of pride in sort of knowing features of the game, right? So what that looks like in school, again, they're not so concerned with mastery, right? Like in the gamer sense, the explorer knows they're a good gamer. If they chose to be an achiever, they have this like deep-seated belief they can achieve, but what they're, they're, they're actually curious. They, in some respects, a little more altruistic than the achiever. They actually care about the content, care about this system, this game, and they are the ones that are going to poke around and instead of just like, I don't know, racing through and want to beat the game first, they want to explore. They want to go around the nooks and crannies. They want to see if the game will operate this way. They want to see like, hey, well, I ran by that tree and it looks like there's something up there. I'm going to take time to explore it. Now, where the explorer in school like ah comes i'm just thinking like a train slapping on the brakes you know and you see the sparks fly where the explorer slows down and doesn't really like the way that we do things in school uh is they they don't how do i want to say this? like we over example things Let's say I'm in a writing class and we're talking about like writing a thesis statement with a bunch of fifth graders for the first time. We talk about what a thesis statement is. Then we read several thesis statements. Then maybe together, you know, using some worksheet, God forbid, or a workbook, and we're just sort of writing, fill in the blank together a good thesis statement. Then maybe you work in pairs to work for a good thesis statement. And then finally, you get to go write your own thesis statement. Explore is going to hate that. Now, the Achiever will probably love all those experiences because the Achiever will see exactly what you want and they will be able to replicate and execute on that and then you will then hold theirs up and say, like, see, Susie's does. This is a really good example of Susie's where the Explorer probably looks at Susie, rolls his eyes, and says, like, I could do that, but, like, I so was disengaged a while ago and I think this is where we lose it. So like, what are we doing for explorers to allow them to explore the topic? Could we put them in more of a sink and swim situation and allow them to explore, you know, put out resources that are good, good uh, thesis statements. Sorry, I forgot there for a moment, the topic I was picking. Good thesis statements and allow them to kind of look at those good thesis statements, maybe have them put things together. Maybe you have another like list of text features or text things that you've taught them, you know, like metaphor or that kind of thing, and maybe asking them to fuse the two, but allow them to explore it, allow them to come with a first version that's not so good, maybe punch it up, give them a chance, kind of angry bird style, like, you know, I'd give that a one star, can you kick it up to a two star kind of thing, or allowing them to go on to kind of the next, like try another one, and maybe they've presented you now three totally different thesis statements that are all one stars. And then you kind of do the angry bird stop and say like, before I let you do like a fourth, I want one of these three to turn into a two. The explorer now is way more engaged. You allowed them to roll up their sleeves, explore, get their hands dirty, and they love it. That last category is provokers. And the provokers are an interesting one. They... I'm going to use this word and I know it's going to like blow up this uh, conversation we're having right now, but provokers or killers are highly efficient and, and kind of in a school sense, you might think of it as cheating, but in the game sense, it's not cheating. 
So let's let's for this one, let's start in the game sense and then talk about the class sense. These guys are efficient. So taking the game sense, we're playing some game like Diablo. Diablo, if you don't know, is a computer game where you kind of go down into the dungeon and you beat up a bunch of bad guys, you know, and you're getting deeper, deeper into the dungeon, defeating little skeletons, little skeletons to eventually beat some boss guy. You can come back up to the surface, spend your riches that you've collected from defeating all these little monsters and the big monster. And maybe let's say I spent four hours down there exploring every nook and cranny. I found this special magical sword. I got like a thousand gold and I make it up top and right outside the top, I'm like level 17 now, feeling all good. And right out top is you, Provoker, who's just hiding in a bush. And you got like an arrow trained right on the door. And I come out and you headshot me and I die and I drop all my stuff. And that guy waiting there for 15 minutes of gameplay comes over to me, grabs my level 17 sword, grabs my thousand gold. And he did it in 15 minutes. It took me four hours. Now, in school, that's just cheating and we do not like that. But that's an example of efficiency. And the the provoker, because the game rules allow it, wouldn't see any ethical dilemma there. wouldn't seem as like, this is cheating. This is just a really good style. And they actually take joy in it. Like, where could I post up to trap those people? Because games aren't just going to let that happen as easily as I just said. Games are going to make that difficult. So there is challenge and rigor for those provokers to sort of think through Best place to sort of post up, best place to get this. Where are the people that are going to be the most vulnerable, you know, to to this? And like maybe me as a level 17, I have some protections against it. So again, there's there's a back and forth there, but they're looking for kind of a, an efficient way to do something. So how, what that looks like in the classroom, they sort of the people that are going to really get your work done in kind of that bare bones sort of way, but it it passes like it works and it is kind of impressive that they're able to compress it that way and in fact there's a whole lot of value in the real world for that compressed work right a lot of things need to be done and uh, the provoker can get that done the other benefit to a provoker a provoker likes to almost think like a cheater and so if you've ever seen the movie catch me if you can where the fbi agent arrests and captures kind of this forger, this this master thief or whatever, and now ask the master thief to help the FBI catch other master thieves. Use the provokers that way. In my game, in my realm of nobles, I talk to my provokers and say, hey, those other classes are going to be thinking about trying to steal some of your ideas. So how can we keep what happened today here private, special? Oh, man, we can all put it on a Google Doc and only one of us can be the gatekeeper of that Google Doc because we don't want people to share it. Or maybe we'll actually physically write it down and I will keep it lock and key in my locker, for, so, so to speak, right? Provokers are going to think that way and they're going to feel like you're using their skill and they like that player interaction. That's the last one I forgot to tell you. Provokers love the ability to interact. So even if it's not super mean, even if it's not killing and taking all my stuff, they like games where we're going to interact. We're not parallel play where I'm just building my city over here, you're building your own city over there, and we're going to see who wins. They want interaction. They want the ability to, like, in that city example, they'd want buildings they could build that might get people to come from your city to my city and, like, take your citizens. They're going to want to move to my city. They want that kind of interaction. Now, if you 
hung out this long, you, you probably already can see where seeing who's who and what's the percentages. I now use these to help me build groups. Uh, I have students share with each other what style they are. Um, kids really find it interesting. Again, cautionary. Don't let them think that this fully defines them, but it is a good one. I am excited, if you've hung on this long in the podcast, to announce that on EMC2, we have built our very own uh, Bartle test with the help of uh, Sean Dugan-Stout, uh, who helped kind of build it as a gift style. So the Bartle test is a set questionnaire. So we took the set questionnaire. Sean made some graphics. It's a little... Uh, gifts to go so it's kid friendly so again you could even use it all the way down to third grade if you wanted or something like that and then we also built this thing this system that you can copy our setup super easy like one click copy then you just have to run through a few steps once once you run through these steps it'll probably take you i'd say tops 15 minutes if you don't know anything uh but i'd say like 10 minutes, five minutes, somewhere in there if you're adept at these kind of things. But even let's take the long one, 15 minutes. Going through our steps, click this, save that, click this, save that. What, what you'll have in the end is a one-link Google form. Kids will take this. It will automatically reply to them with a PDF that tells them their primary and secondary uh, Bartle tests. It'll give them the score for all four categories. It'll give them like a paragraph on their primary and secondary. And then it will also give them like a five bullet point, like how this can help you in school. Like, so play to these strengths uh, for their primary and secondary uh, scores. Looks great. Feels great. Uh, I think it's really awesome that it's all automated. So we hope you check out EMC2. With for this tool, as well as so many other rich pedagogical top instruction, not worksheet activities that can be moving up on the DOK, get it up to DOK3, get it up to those tops blooms. We'd love to see you at EMC2. So definitely think about coming on over to emc2learning.com, checking out this as well as others. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a wee bit longer than usual on my solo podcast, but... You got me talking on something I super love. All right, everybody. I hope you have a good day and play on.